What makes good sex good? <laughs> ah, great. The, the, the golden question. Trust and patience and talking. I wasn't scared to communicate what I wanted, and neither was she. I'm gonna take a last drink of water. I love that sound when someone's talking and smiling at the same time, and you can kind of hear them smiling in the way that they're talking. <laughs> <laughs> what a wholesome thing for you to say. <laughs> Alrighty. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Peak, the talk show about what makes good sex good. Today, I am joined with one of my very best friends, Faye. Hello. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Even better now that I'm here with you. <laughs> Good. So why don't we start with a little self-introduction? What would you like the listeners to know about you? Ooh. Um, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> But in the best way possible, I've been told. Um, I don't like to think about things as, like, mm, normal or not normal. Things just are what they are, and I try to accept them as they are. And if I like them, I like them, and if I don't, I don't. So that means that, I don't know, the way I do my life is kind of non-traditional in a lot of ways. Um, I graduated college with a computer science degree. I work as a barista right now. I like to make art, and I have two cats. Marvelous. What do you mean by non-traditional? Hmm. Um, I question a lot of things, like gender, and the ways that we express ourselves, and how sex functions, especially because I was raised very, like, conservative, fundamental Christian, so... The ideas that I was given to work with of what is sex and what is gender and what is even like existence, what are you supposed to do? Um, those are things that I tear apart almost every day, really, because I have to fight this like idea that there is a way to do something and I have to find that way and do it right instead of realizing there isn't really one way to do anything. You can kind of be very creative about the ways that you live your life and the things that you do and the ways that you do those things. So, yep. <laughs> Non-traditional. <laughs> Beautiful. So how would you describe your sexual identity and personality? Mm, I kind of just do what I want. And what I want changes a lot. Because <laughs> I'm always gathering new information and kind of reassessing, you know, like, where am I? And did I enjoy, you know, whatever I decided to do? Do I want to do that again? You know, what new experiences are, are before me? What paths could I take? Do I want to take them? Um, I, if I had to define myself, I'd say I'm probably pretty, like, pansexual or bisexual or just I don't really care. I like people. I'm not really interested in, like, genitals or body types or sex or gender as much as who a person is. And whether or not I like spending time with them and talking to them and doing activities with them, the sex is kind of very secondary. So, 
don't really tend to care about that too much. For a while, I know that you identified as gray ace or somewhere on the asexual spectrum. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, this is something I've questioned a lot because, like I said, growing up very conservative Christian, I probably learned from a very young age to repress a lot of my sexuality. And so I've often wondered, do I not feel interest in sex because of my religious upbringing? Or is it something that is innate to me as a person that would have happened regardless of how sex positive my experience was growing up? And I honestly don't know. <laughs> but generally speaking, I don't care about sex, but I want to understand it. I, I tend to approach it from a curiosity perspective rather than like some intense sexual drive that I have or need to fulfill anything. Mm -hmm. You are a very affectionate person, despite sex being, as you say, secondary to your interests. <laughs> Absolutely. I am sensual. You're sensual. Despite not always being sexual. Would you talk a little bit about sensuality and like physical intimacy that isn't necessarily sex sure um i think physical intimacy is very important for relationships and for people to feel close to each other um i feel like there are things that your body tells your bodies speak to each other without words you know so that doesn't always have to be sexual and i honestly think a lot of people reserve sensuality for sexual like for for relationships with it with which they are that how do i say this um sometimes people reserve their sensuality for sexual relationships and i think that that's a problem and a mistake and very sad and it makes me want to cry because i think people should touch each other more and um i don't know i just think that that's how people need like people need touch. It, it makes you feel loved and it makes you feel connected and making it all about sex is kind of a disservice to a lot of people because you need that touch regardless of whether or not you're having sex with anyone. So, I don't know. I feel a particularly strong desire to be touchy with people and I like cuddles. I like giving people hugs. Um, I think sometimes people are surprised by how forward I am at like touching them and sometimes they take it in a way that's like, oh, like, do you want to fuck? And it's like, no, I, I really don't. I just wanted to like give you a hug and we can cuddle and watch movies. <laughs> um, and like maybe even kiss each other on the cheeks or, or whatever, but like that doesn't mean I want to sleep with you or that I want a relationship with you in like a like standard traditional, you know, this is what a relationship is, it's partners and this is what you do. That's something that I tear apart a lot, especially is like the idea that certain things have to be reserved for certain relationships. Um, I think people should be more free about that and I try to be. <laughs> So would you please describe your first sexual encounter or a significant early sexual experience? Hmm. 
I almost don't really want to talk about the first sexual encounter I had because it was very bad. Then do not <laughs> talk about a different one. Um, I think one of my first, like, meaningful sexual encounters um, was with uh, another non-binary person that I met in Oklahoma, and... It all happened very quickly, but there was a connection there on like an emotional and even maybe spiritual level that felt very genuine and still to this day feels very genuine despite the fact that we are not dating or seeing each other in any real capacity. We still talk, um, we still care about each other very much, and that probably won't ever change. Um, but there was just a very easy mutual understanding that didn't even really need to be talked about um that was you know like we both respected each other and loved each other um not like we were like in love and want to get married but like we loved each other we cared about each other our, our feelings towards each other were good and we wanted good for each other as well as ourselves um and yeah, that was, it was the first time I think that I felt really, like, physically heard, like, someone understood what I had wanted or needed, um, in, like, a sensual and sexual way. It was just, it was good. <laughs> good. And feel free to ask any more questions. I don't really know what to say. What do you think made it good? I think consent made it good. Um, we both asked each other, not like all the time, like annoyingly, like, is this okay? Is this okay? But like, there was like a, like when new things were happening and when, when it wasn't entirely clear based on like the signals that our bodies were giving off, there was verbal consent being asked for or um, if new ideas were being explored, maybe we would talk about it and be like, do you want to try this or do this? And that was very different for me because some of the people that I had been with before either did not know how to listen to bodies and what they were saying or did not care enough. And so that was really important and kind of set the standard for what to consider acceptable in the future. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Would you please tell us about some of your most positive sexual experiences? <laughs> oh my god. Um, with other people, I'm going to say there aren't very many. With myself, I'm going to say there are a lot. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> um... Because I... Okay, so here's another thing that's kind of important to know about me. Um, for a long time, I'm fairly certain I had vaginismus. Um, I went to a gynecologist to get checked out once because I was like, hey, like, I can't even stick a tampon up there without it hurting. Like, what's up? And she had to use, like, the, the child size um 
what it was called speculum speculum yeah little duckbills mm-hmm. um she's a child size one and it was excruciatingly painful and i have a very high pain tolerance um like i ran through a fractured tibia and made it to state in high school so like i have a high pain tolerance i can put myself through a lot of pain it, what's a tibia uh it's the front bone on your leg like Ow. Where, like where you get shin splints it's that bone so, yeah, I just thought it was really bad shin splints. <laughs> um, running hurts no matter what you do, so I just thought it was normal. Um, but yeah, so she was like, you have a textbook perfect uterus. And I was like, thanks, lady. Then why the fuck does it hurt so much to, like, put in a tampon even? Um, so I think I had vaginismus because I gradually, I, I got, like, dilator sets and it took me like two years to work up to like what would maybe be considered like an average sized like penis size (laughs) which like I didn't really care about because I wasn't really having sex with men at the time um or people with penises that would insert them so that didn't really matter to me but like I wanted to have that capacity if I ever were to want to do that um So that was really difficult and hard (laughs) to deal with. Um, People were not very understanding of that. And I think they would get scared and just not touch me a lot of the time, which was really hard and like heartbreaking and like bad. (laughs) So I just left. But I learned a lot about myself and I've still been learning a lot about myself through all of that experience. And I think learning how I feel and how to, like, control my muscles down there was, like, very eye-opening and, like, life-changing for me in some ways. Um, I think I could go the rest of my life without ever having sex, and I wouldn't really be disappointed by that. Um, Yeah. Um, it's just, I have a lot of curiosity about, like, what do I have the capacity to experience and enjoy and learning more about how to, like, give myself new experiences and pleasure has been a good experience for me. Would you talk a little bit about self-pleasure? Sure. (laughs) Um... So, I think I'm a little bit funny based on the research I've done online and the people I've talked to, but maybe not. Um, I feel like vibrators tend to be too intense for me, and they just kind of like, they don't really get me anywhere. (laughs) Also, I don't really, I don't really orgasm, or maybe I do, and I just don't realize it, but like, it's been a long time. I have a weird relationship with sex right now, and that's okay. Um, but I feel like I tend to be very exploratory and try new things a lot and just try to see what different things feel like. So, you know, um, It is very strange talking about this. 
I don't think I've ever talked to anyone about this before, so the words aren't coming easily. That's okay. I appreciate <laughs> your willingness to come on the show anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I figured out that I like lots of different kinds of stimulation. I am finding that I kind of like... Um, I, I identify with like a pretty established stereotype of like being a kitten but I, I just figured that out like two weeks ago <laughs> but I kind of realized that um I like that specific like idea because I don't like the submissive slat like versus dominant like what are those even called like a like the idea that you have roles. to be one yeah roles i don't i don't like the idea that you have to be one or the other i don't feel like i'm either so i like the idea of being a kitten because i have a lot of my own free will and agency i like to play and have fun and i'm okay with occasionally doing something just because someone told me to but also if i don't like what someone's doing i'm gonna like claw your face off you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's something i recently realized is that i don't really like the idea of being either submissive or dominant i'm i'm not i like egalitarian kinds of relationships especially in regards to sex because of how much like bullshit people have in their heads about like dominance and and gender and or being a top or a bottom yeah or being a top or a bottom and it's like i don't even want either of those things i i want to just be me so <laughs> you mentioned learning more about muscle control to mm. um, heal your vaginismus. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I've learned that I was subconsciously like contracting my muscles like very intensely. Like your Kegels? I guess so, probably. Um, like, I, I couldn't control it at all. Um, and so it's like, even putting a tampon in was like very difficult. It like almost did not want to insert. It would like want to push itself out because um, they were contracted so tightly. And so learning to relax that has been very interesting. I don't even know how to describe it because I don't know what the muscles are called or anything. I just know what it feels like to me. Um, but it took me a lot of time and patience and frustration. <laughs> Is that something your doctor or physical therapist worked through with you or did you just work through that by yourself? I worked through most of that alone. When I did see that gynecologist that one time, she was the one who recommended um, dilators, but I had actually already done a lot of research on vaginismus and found out that that was like kind of what you do. And um, and also I recently saw on this episode of like a really silly like secondhand embarrassment type show on Netflix called Sex Education that one of the characters has vaginismus and talks about using dilators. I thought that was really cool. Um, but, like, that's a random side thing. 
Um, <laughs> I just appreciate that that was like something that was on like a popular television show or internet show. <laughs> Do you recommend the show Sex Education? Honestly, kind of. It's it's very awkward though. It will make you feel embarrassed to watch it, but there's a lot of really interesting information on it. It also made me feel a little bit weird thinking about the fact that these kids were supposed to be in high school. <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Would you talk a little bit about what, in your opinion, makes good sex good? I think what makes good sex good is trust and patience and talking mm, a lot of talking um especially with new people mm -hmm. also understanding yourself like touching yourself a lot and figuring out what you like is really important because how are you supposed to talk to someone else about what they like or what you like how are you supposed to tell them what to do or what you want if you don't even know what you like and that's easier to find out on your own, especially if you're like me and your body's really uncooperative <laughs> and doesn't want you to have sex. <laughs> you mentioned earlier your very strict, conservative upbringing. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about the transition from the, frankly, like, intense sexual shame you were taught? <laughs> to um where you are now um i can't say i've completely divested myself of that um mentality it's something i still work on but yeah so i was raised to believe that um you're only like i mean like very normal for christian upbringing but like you're only supposed to have sex with like your husband or whatever like i got that whole teacup talk of like if you have sex before marriage you're like a broken teacup that will never be filled up you know it was like really fucked up shit. oh man yeah they gave us a teacup and they were like this is you oh wow that's yeah. some jane the virgin shit it is literally some jane the virgin shit yeah <laughs> i got a very similar um talk from my sex ed in the eighth grade our, mm -hmm. my biology teacher was like imagine your virginity as a flower and you only get one flower and if you have sex before marriage that flower will become dirty and destroyed and how sad would it be if you were to walk down the aisle and arrive at your future spouse and they have a beautiful pure flower to give to you and you only have a dirty and destroyed flower to give to them wow that's some messed up stuff hashtag oklahoma <laughs> we also got the tape metaphor um i don't know if you've ever heard that but th this was also this was our sex education teacher was i think a christian nurse at a, like a local hospital that was somehow affiliated with our tiny christian school um the tape imagery is that uh you're like a piece of tape and every time you have sex with someone part of your soul sticks to them and if you rip it apart you lose your stickiness 
so like that also really screwed me up because I was like okay so like I'm not supposed to have sex also they only talked to us about like the baby making aspects of sex um there was no education on any kind of gay sex because being gay is of course wrong um or sex for like non-procreative purposes um they didn't even teach us how to put a condom on a penis or a banana or whatever so like that was like really messed up um they called all stis stds and told us that like once you get something you can like never be cured and you will forever be carrying that around with you um which is not true (laughs) at all (laughs) um but yes that's what i grew up with uh there was no talk of female pleasure there was no talk of um really pleasure at all um or female anatomy um incidentally i am non-binary but have a female body which i am quite comfortable with um so yeah i didn't really learn anything about my own anatomy it was just all the vagina and that's like not true at all (laughs) and of of course i'm sure they were referring to the entire vulva oh yeah the the vulva is the vagina and that's it there's nothing else there's no clitoris there's no like anything (laughs) goodness um so growing out of that was basically just doing a lot of education for myself and talking to people reading books um listening to podcasts i really liked multi-amory um which wasn't so much always about sex as much as like talking and having relationships with people and having healthy relationships with people specifically um which i think is really important for good sex um so i don't know something i'm still working through mostly just by by educating myself and masturbating a lot (laughs) would you be willing to talk a little bit about coming into your queer and non-binary identities absolutely (laughs) i would love to um so all right so um i first learned that trans people existed like in college i didn't realize it was a thing you could be um and like when i first learned about that i was kind of like floored because i so I, i i was adopted um i had two older sisters who were very girly you know they they really cared about how they looked all the time you know they'd spend hours getting ready for going anywhere they didn't like being outside that much or maybe they did but like i don't know i just i was kind of like my dad's like second best thing to a son because i was the one that liked to like go on hikes and get dirty and whatever um to an extent and like learn about survival things or whatever so i always felt this like intense pressure to be feminine in the way that they were and i didn't want to i was very uncomfortable with dresses um i went back and forth between having my hair short and long because oh because of some really nasty comments that were said to me by my mother so um 
I, I got my hair cut short once and she said make sure you wear makeup or you'll look like a dyke um so that was really <laughs> not okay um so there was just like there were a lot of things that it's like I wanted to do them but I felt like I couldn't because I would be shamed for them um and then I learned that like you can be non-binary like gender is a social construct and none of it really means anything unless it means something to you in which case that's great and I support you but to me I don't really feel like gender means all that much to me I'm just me um sometimes I like to put makeup on sometimes I don't put any makeup on at all and I wear like I don't know very boyish clothes but it's like that doesn't make me anything I'm just me none of that means anything about who I am as a person it's just like all clothing is a costume that's something I really like to say um I've had customers tell me like you look like you're, you're the only person I've ever seen who can pull off so many different looks sometimes you're really butch sometimes you're really femme and I was like thank you like I'm glad you noticed and this was coming from this very like cis white man so I was like cool i'm doing my job right i'm out here to confuse people and be whatever i want and let them know that they can be whatever they want to because all clothing is a costume all of it everything you wear everything you put on your face everything you do is it's a costume it doesn't that's not a bad thing it's just what it is um none of it is actually you so um that's that's for my gender identity i just don't really particularly feel like i fit in one way or the other um i never felt like a girl or a woman in the way that i was expected to be um and i realize now that there are different ways to be a woman but like i still don't really feel like one um and i don't really feel like a boy i just feel like me so that's that with regards to sexuality for a while i thought i was like hardcore lesbian and then I kind of realized I tend to really be drawn to people who are gender non-conforming in, in whatever way that they want to be. I think I just like people who are re rebellious um, to the social expectations of gender and sexuality. Boys um, with long hair, girls who don't care. <laughs> exactly. I recall you saying this to me once. This is, it's, yes. So my, my type is rebels who don't care and do what they want and rock whatever they're feeling and are caring, generous, lovely people. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my sexuality and my gender. Beautiful. My genders. I'm a rebel. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Would you be willing to talk a little bit more about growing up in an adoptive family? Absolutely. Um, so... I mean, there's, of course, the, like, really weird things, because, okay, so I'm Asian, American, Asian-American, I don't know, I'm a mix, I'm a little mutt, and uh, my family was white, I had two redhead sisters, so, um, growing up, the bodies I saw around me, especially the developed female body that I saw, was white, and when I started to, like, grow boobs, for example, I was like, why aren't my nipples, like, small and pink? You know, why are they, like, big and brown? And why do I have so much hair that they don't seem to have? And I think I felt really self-conscious about my body. I thought I was, like, an alien or there was something wrong with me. Um, so I just want to tell everyone out there, whatever your body looks like, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, and... Yeah. 
Did your parents give you any kind of sex talk or puberty talk? No, not really. I remember the only sex talk I had from my mom was when I was very young and I didn't really understand that sex was even a thing and we were listening to the radio and I'd been told like, you know, the way babies are made is like, mommy and daddy get married under the eyes of God and they love each other very much and God blesses them with a child. And I remember specifically as like a six-year-old or something thinking, I really don't want to have any children. I hope God doesn't bless me with any children. (laughs) Please, no. Um, I didn't realize at that time that, you know, you have to have sex to have kids. (laughs) So when I found out, I was in the car and we were listening to this radio program on like some Christian station and some pastor's wife was like 16 or 17 and she'd gotten pregnant. And I was like, mom, how can that happen? She's not married. Our pastor's daughter? Uh, on the on the radio some radio pastor's daughter was talking about his experience with his daughter getting pregnant Mm. um which is you know very shameful and frowned upon in christian societies um so she told me that you know babies are made when a man sticks his penis in a woman's vagina and that's that's the extent of the sex talk i got I got absolutely no body positivity talking. I did not understand what was happening with my body or why it looked the way that it did or that it was okay or normal. (laughs) So I just had to figure that out on my own. You thought it was beautiful and perfect because you're beautiful and perfect? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have asked most of the questions that I have planned to ask. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else you would like to talk about? Um, The only thing I could think of is... I'd like to tell you about a couple of my favorite sex toys. Oh, please do. Because I think that people don't talk about these things enough, and I want to encourage other people to do the same so that one day I can hear about other people talking about their favorite sex toys. So, my favorite sex toy is a glass dildo. It is clear, and it has this really pretty, like, spiral on the inside that looks like a rainbow. And it's kind of like those marbles you have as a kid with like the spirals in them but like long and iridescent so i I suppose that fits as i am (laughs) fae that i would have an iridescent sparkly dildo um i also really like my magic wand the the hype is real and it's there for a reason (laughs) what do you like about it um honestly Besides the fact that it's, like, got very powerful vibrations, which you can use, like, indirectly through, like, you know, like, blankets or pillows or whatever, um, you can also actually just use it as, like, a back massager, and it's really fucking great, and that's what I use it as most of the time. (laughs) I actually was reading about Hitachi Magajit Wands, Uh and they were originally designed as a physical therapy tool. Yeah. For exactly what you just said, like massaging sore muscles. And of course, I'm sure it was not very long before someone realized that you could also use them for sexual pleasure. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, uh, it's funny, though, because I think nowadays we think about them exclusively as like vibrators for sexual pleasure as personal massagers. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, I but like, I thought that they were invented for that purpose. Yeah, but like actually, it, like as a service industry worker right now, I am often very sore from standing for several hours and lifting heavy boxes and stuff and smiling fakely. So, 
Um, yeah, it's actually really great for both things. That's cool. Massages of all sorts. What was your first sex toy? Actually, it was the, uh, the dilators. Mm. They were, like, stackable, and they had a vibrator in, like, the smallest one. Which was actually really helpful because it kind of, like, numbed me to a point that it would, like, relax me Mm -hmm. enough that I could, like, get them in Mm -hmm. and know what that felt like until I got comfortable with it. And then, I don't know if anyone else is, it's like, you start small until you get comfortable with that and then you move up to the next size. So, it was actually nice. Worked out really well. That's interesting. But, like, I don't know, that was, like, both a sex toy and, like, a medical device that I was using to specifically help me overcome a problem. And then it broke one day, and I threw it in the trash. <laughs> it was cheap pink plastic. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your... What did you move on to? Oh, after that, I tried buying one of those rabbit-style, like... I don't know if it was really a rabbit, because it didn't have, like, the, the like ears, but um, it was, like, this silicone-covered black uh, vibrator that had, like, an internal and an external arm to stimulate things i didn't really like it that much it didn't really hit me in the right spots for whatever reason i found that i kind of don't like having vibration inside of me um more like indirectly outside of me all over (laughs) like i don't like that like pinpoint precision vibration like right on my clit that's like ouch please no too intense yeah it's not what i want (laughs) (laughs) so what was that experience like for you, buying your first sex toy? Oh, mortifying. <laughs> well, the first time I walked into a sex store, I'm fairly certain they could see how terrified I was. Probably the first three times. <laughs> um, I've gotten very comfortable with going into sex stores since then. And my most recent purchase was, like, this really cute lingerie set with, like, some fishnet stockings. And they're, like, high-waisted. It's really cute. Nice. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just for me at this point. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they get that all the time, though. Like, people walking in and having a deer in the headlights. Being very nervous and scared. (laughs) I remember the first time I went to buy a sex toy. Um, I was in Oklahoma, and my best friend at the time and I were both in long-distance relationships. Mm. And we decided to be modern women at the age of 19 and go to the sex toy shop together Aww. and we went in and we both bought something that we thought would please us did it yes good <laughs> good 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 it was a good time is it is it something you still keep around or has it passed on it's still with me to this day nice although i do plan to upgrade soon <laughs> Well, if you ever want to go together, I am no longer mortified to walk into a sex shop, so... That sounds great. <laughs> so, Faye, do you have any closing words for our listeners before we go? Hmm. I just want to say, talking about sex has been really good for me, or, like, my own experiences, and people should do it more often. And also to anyone out there listening, no matter how much or how little sex you have, as long as you're having a good time, it's great. And don't feel bad about it, no matter what. Like, either way. 
<laughs> I have loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for being open and generous and courageous in coming on the show with me. Thank you for inviting me here. I love you. I definitely worried that I wouldn't have enough to talk about, but somehow I seem to have filled this time. You were fantastic. Thanks. Bye. I love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Peak, which was hosted and produced by me, Robin Wheelock. Our theme music was produced by Johnny Manchild of Johnny Manchild and the Poor Bastards. You can follow The Peak on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram at Listen to the Peak. For more information, visit us at thepeak.blueberry.net. That's thepeak.blubrry.net. If you want to support The Peak, you can make a contribution to our Coffee, Venmo, or PayPal accounts so that we can make better and more frequent episodes for you. You can also support us by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or wherever it is you listen. Thank you.